Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.57 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 16th of May, 2023. This is episode, it's Palindrome, episode number 727 of Bitcoin and one tap zaps are out on Domus. They have been released. I don't know about the iOS version. I'm still using test flight because I wanted to make sure that I'm getting like, you know, as, as soon as JB55 does something different and releases it, I I want to see it. And so at least the the version that I got for Domus uh which is the Noster client for iOS <clears throat> Uh, has released, in fact, one tap zap. So what the hell is a one tap zap? Mm. Remember, well, if you do, if you haven't used Nostr, then I guess this doesn't apply to you. But then I have to ask the question, what's wrong with you? Dude, Nostr, dude, get your private and public key pair. Get, get Albi as the uh, browser extension will, will generate you your private public key pair. For those of you who don't want to use a wallet extension, most of the Dom or uh, uh, Nostr clients like Primal, Snore, you name it, Iris, all those guys, they'll generate you the private public key pair. Okay, so if you're if you're not if you haven't gotten on Nostr yet, you're missing the following. All right, so first we had the ability to pay a lightning invoice directly through a media card that would be presented to you in a Noster note. It was great because it would, it would open up one of your wallets and you would be able the wallet would read the lightning invoice directly from, from uh, Domus and boom, you're off to the races. You can, you can send whatever that invoice number was for. And it was great. And then we got the ability to zap people directly in a note, <clears throat> uh, like the, they'd release a note, or you know, they'd make a note, and then they, if they had their Lightning address in their bio for their Noster bio, then you could zap directly to whatever that address was, and you didn't have to do you didn't have to do an invoice thing. But what you still had to do was wait for Domus to give you a list of all the wallets you can use and you select the wallet that's on your phone that you could, that, you know, that you're using and then you hit it and then it opens up that wallet and then you hit, then it's got to actually decipher the information. So it spins like for a second and then it gives you the pay button and then you can pay. And that was great, but it's like three steps, right? Well, Will, the JB55, he's been working on one tap zaps and what it does is the interface is the same. So like Will releases, I don't know, he makes a note, says, hey, I did this thing X, you know, it's cool. 
And then I agree that it's cool and I want to zap him some sats. Well, I hit the exact same zap button that's down below. But this time, this time, that's it. That, that's all I had to do. It didn't, you know, go to my wallet and, or go to my list of wallets. And then I got to select a wallet and then I got to wait for that wallet to open. None of that, none of that, none of that. I just hit the little lightning bolt in Domus under somebody's note and it's 21 sats immediately. There's a catch. Okay. When you, if you are like excited about this and you should be for various reasons, but if you're excited about this and you want to start using it, then you'll in if you just go and say, Hey, I got the update and it's going to be one tap zap and you hit the zap button. Well, all of a sudden it opens up your wallet list and then you've got to select your wallet and then you got to wait for your wallet to spin up and then, then you can hit pay. So what happened? Well, you've got to set your wallet address, go to your, uh, settings go to your profile specifically. And this is, this is Domus centric. Okay. So iOS Domus centric. I'm not talking about amethyst. I don't know anybody else that's got one tap zaps. I, I'm not even going to worry about it right now. I'm just worried about the Domus iOS Noster app. Okay. So go to your profile, go to and in your profile in Domus, it should spin up a list of things on the left-hand side. One of them is your wallet. That's where you can connect your wallet. You have to permanently connect your wallet. And it's not permanent. You can change that later, but you've got to actually tell Domus, hey, this is the wallet that I want to be using. Okay. You can use GetAlbi like I did. And the, and like, as long as you can log into Albi, you know, your login information, then you connect your Albi wallet and you're off to the races. Now you can do one tap zaps. There's a slightly smaller catch, but it's not really a catch. It's just kind of, it's kind of cool. In fact, it so happens that once you connect whatever wallet and I, I'm, I used GitAlbi, it changed my lightning zapping address over all of my Nostra profiles on all of the clients because it, that's the way that the system works. I now am not getting very many zaps through uh, my stacker.news lightning wallet address. That's because I superseded that wallet address when I connected my Albi wallet in Domus. And then that information propagated to all the other clients. So now when I go to any of my other clients, I'm no longer using the stacker.news lightning wallet. It's all going to my Git Albi wallet. You can change that once you've got your first wallet in. I can change it back to Stacker News, which I will probably do because I, I like Stacker News. <clears throat> you can change it to another address. It doesn't have to be Stacker News. It could be to whatever your old Lightning wallet address was. And from what I understand, it will work just fine. You might want to absolutely check to make sure that that is in fact actually occurring. There's another small catch. After you update Domus, after you link your lightning wallet, you may find it that it's not actually still working. Okay. So hard reboot the, at least the Domus app, like swipe, you know, like, I don't know, however it is that you do it on whatever phone you're doing, but get it to close completely down and then reopen it. And that fixed my little red wagon. 
Now, there is a neat little feature that JB55 put in. Some people I've actually seen bitch about it, but I don't know why, because he's given you the ability to support his development work in Noster and Domus by providing you a slider. When you're setting up your wallet, it will give you a slider. And it will say, do you want, basically it says, do you want to support JB55 and, and further Domus development? If yes, then use the slider to select a percentage of all the zaps that you get. And though that percentage will be sent directly to JB55's wallet. And here's what he's got so far. This was 11 hours ago. He says, and this is a Noster note, which I zapped. He said, an average of two United States pennies or two cents collected from 1,200 zaps in six hours, totaling $30. The legacy system has no chance of pulling something like this off. So uh, his first day of support was 1,266 zaps and uh, what was it? Uh, 119,715 sats were sent to him. So if here's the, the thing is, is that I've got mine, my slider set right now to 21%. So 21% of anybody that zaps any one of my notes is automatically diverted and goes directly to support Domus development, right? And there are, so, now here's the thing. I, this is the thing that I kind of don't like. Uh, when you activate the slider, at any percentage level, it puts a star in your bio next to your name. And so that star, which is a colored star, will come up in any note that you send and you can immediately see if somebody is actually donating to Domus or if they're not donating to Domus. And furthermore, depending on the color of the star, you can tell how much they're donating to Domus. My star color is blue. There are some people whose star color, and this again comes up pretty much on Domus only. I don't, I'm right now, I'm actually staring at primal.net on my web browser or in, in my web browser, <clears throat> and there are no stars on anybody's thing. So this is Domus specific again. But on Domus, everybody knows that my blue star represents something south of 50% in donations. Gold is getting up around a hundred percent. And there's a lot of people with gold stars in their, in their bio. And I got chastised. I think it was quiet warrior soundly chastised me by saying, I do not seem to see any kind of colored star in your bio there, Nunya. And yeah. So I was like, Oh shit, I forgot to set the donation bar. So there, so there's kind of a thing right there. There's a psychology and that psychology is like peer pressure psychology, right? Don't let it, don't let it affect you. Somebody doesn't like that. You're not given a hundred percent of all your zaps to will you know, tell them to go pound sand, right? You know, if you want to support will support will, if you don't want to support will don't support will. If you want to support will at some percentage, that's less than a hundred percent to knock yourself out. This is your business and it's nobody else's business, which is why I don't like the colored star. I kind of don't like the star there at all, but this is Domus's Will's show and Will can do whatever the hell he wants with Domus. 
I choose to support him. I hope you do too. Also support your non-artificial intelligence podcaster, Nanya Bidness, otherwise known as David Bennett, because artificial intelligence is is gonna it's gonna screw a lot of shit up for content creators. But I have this sneaky suspicion that if you provably have content creation, like a history of content creation that precedes all this chat GPT-4 and stable diffusion and mid-journey bullshit, then you will have, I think you'll have a better chance of retaining and drawing in people that want to know that their podcaster has a living, breathing, beating soul inside of them rather than just listening to some artificial intelligence, whatever. That doesn't mean that I hate artificial intelligence. It just simply means it's a tool like everything else. And those tools can be chosen to, you can choose to use those tools poorly, righteously, but more often than not, it's somewhere in between, right? It's just a tool. A hammer can be just as much of a deadly weapon as it can build a, help build a house. Being afraid of any, being afraid of AI is like being afraid of a hammer or a crescent wrench. It's, it's, it's a, it's a phobia. It doesn't make any sense, right? And the people, the more people that are scared of AI that do not have the, the will to engage with it, to figure out how it works, that's the dangerous, that that's the dangerous dangerous path to take. You you don't want to take that path, okay? And you also don't want to take the path of just buying a treasure from some dude on the internet, okay? Because Helen Parts from Cointelegraph tells us about trusted, trusted seller Vin's fake treasure wallets stealing crypto, according to Kaspersky. I have always had a hard time pronouncing that name. Amid the rising popularity of hardware cryptocurrency wallets, the Russian cybersecurity firm Kaspersky has reminded users about the importance of using authentic crypto devices. Kaspersky's cyber incident expert Stanislav Golovnikov on May the 10th reported on an issue with fake hardware wallets impersonating major wallet firm Trezor. According to the blog post, the fake wallet allowed fraudsters to steal Bitcoin via a replaced microcontroller, which enables attacks to take over control of the user's private keys. The victim reportedly purchased a tampered hardware wallet that posed as Trezor's advanced crypto wallet Trezor Model T. The fake wallet appeared to be exactly the same as the genuine Trezor Wallet T wallet, providing a standard set of wallet functions. Quote, when handling the wallet, nothing felt suspicious either. All the functions worked as they should, and the user interface was no different from the original one, Golovnov wrote. The fake wallet was tampered with from the inside, though. According to the Kaspersky team, attackers managed to access crypto asset, users' crypto assets by replacing the inner firmware. Quote, the actual mechanism of the theft remains unclear, Golnagov noted, adding that the issue was caused by a typical supply chain attack. To prevent supply chain attacks, Kaspersky cyber expert, cybersecurity experts advise users to only buy hardware wallets directly from the official vendor 
The firm noted that the victim bought the fake Trezor wallet through a trusted seller through a popular classified website. I'm guessing eBay or something like that. Don't, don't do this, guys. Don't do that. Kaspersky didn't immediately respond for a request for comment. The issue described by Kaspersky isn't something new for the crypto community. In 2022, Trezor publicly addressed security incidents involving tampered Trezor Model T devices. According to Trezor's blog post, the described issue was mostly present on Trezor Model T wallets with all devices being obtained from vendors on the Russian market. The firm wrote, quote, Some internal components have been replaced, allowing malicious actors to spoof the device's behavior and make its security features redundant, end quote. According to Trezor's official website, the firm currently has about 50 officially authorized resellers across the world, the sellers are located in many jurisdictions, including countries like Canada, the United States, Singapore, India, Israel, Belarus, Ukraine, and others. There are currently no authorized Trezor wallet resellers in Russia, according to the website. In addition to security measures related to supply chain, Trezor also advises its users to follow steps to authenticate their Trezor wallets, providing official guides for Model 1 and Model T. Trezor's software also signals any potential firmware issues through alerting the issue on the app screen. Quote, we would like to point out that we have a warning system in the Trezor suite that alerts users if their device uses an unofficial, I guess, component. They didn't actually write that, but it just says if their devices, uh, device uses an unofficial, end quote. A spokesperson at for Trezor told Cointelegraph. So yeah, th that's a thing. And we haven't really touched on that in a while, but it's good to re be reminded if you're going to use a hardware wallet, you need to make sure that that hardware wallet is coming directly from the vendor. And there's various ways to do that, but the most prominent way to make sure that you're not going to get scammed is to go to the vendor's official website. And yes, can that be spoofed? Yeah, but it's about as hard as that's about as hard as it gets, I, it, in my opinion. So, but even then, even if it is harder to make it look exactly like the official user's, you know, vendor's website, please, please, please do your research and make sure that you really are on the official Trezor website, that you really are on the official cold card, you know, or CoinKite website if you're going to buy your cold card. And I highly recommend buying a cold card and we'll see why. Next, Ledger is in the news and not in a way that they want to be in the news for. Ryan S. Gladwin tells us about this little snafu from Decrypt. Ledger crypto wallet under fire over seed phrase recovery service. Connecting your crypto seed phrase to your passport. What could go wrong? Hardware wallet provider Ledger has caused a stir online after releasing its latest Ledger recovery service in their latest firmware update. What did we just say about the Trezor Model T? The firmware was tampered with. Just keep this in mind. I'm not saying that Led Ledger is essentially kind of providing a route of attack. We'll find out why. That's what this is all about. In a nutshell, it's an ID-based key recovery service that backs up user seed phrases to use the service. Users must provide a passport or national identity card to confirm their identity. Their KYC in your passphrase. Three encrypted fragments will be trusted with custodians. Ledger, CoinCover, and a third provider. 
Some users are worried that they will now have to rely on the security of these companies. Quote, eat, quote, each fragment is stored by the parties on hardware security modules, which are essentially superpowered ledgers, a ledger spokesperson told Decrypt via email. It's what we use for ledger enterprise. Each fragment is useless on its own and can only be de decrypted on a ledger. They're completely safe, end quote. While this service requires users to opt in and pay a $10 monthly fee, some are concerned that this could even pose a security risk for those who don't opt in. However, a Ledger spokesperson confirmed that for your seed phrase to be initiated into this process, you must approve it directly on your Ledger, just like any other transaction. Ledger suffered a data leak back in 2020, which exposed the phone numbers and physical addresses of nearly 300,000 customers, as well as over a million email addresses. Quote, this is a disaster waiting to happen, said one Reddit users. I can't actually believe what I'm reading. This seems crazy for a hardware wallet provider to encourage you to back up your seed phrase online and give them your passport slash ID, especially one that has previously suffered a data breach, end quote. Yeah, pausing to say, yes, yes, he's exactly right. If this were to happen to Ledger Recover users, for example, the hacker could possibly use the service to recover the seed phrase. Quote, exposing your seed phrase and then allowing anyone with your ID or passport to regain access to the locked funds is a bad security posture, Adrian Hetman, tech lead triager at Web3 bug bounty platform ImmuneFi, told Decrypt. ID theft is common, and that would expose crypto users to a new form of attack, end quote. Ledger has, however, rejected this as a security risk as your government ID is only one part of the process. Quote, we have full liveness detection where you use your camera and it gives you randomized prompts that can't be faked or pre-recorded, a Ledger spokesperson told Decrypt. Quote, this is reviewed by technology and also by humans to ensure a match before the recovery process is initiated. So someone stealing your ID will not be able to recover your secret recovery phrase. <sighs> While Ledger Recover is catching heat, seed phrase recovery as a concept isn't entirely doomed. Social Recovery, used by Vitalik Buterin, allows you to delegate a number of wallets that can approve the recovery of your wallet. The Guardians could be other wallets you control or friends and family members that you trust. Quote, generally, I feel like Social Recovery, as proposed in Oh God, EIP 4337 is a really great idea and I love it as it brings the user experience to a more standard model of how the current banking system UX works while still being secure, Hetman said. You're still in control and you can choose any party of your liking you can trust. The key difference here is that the user is able to choose their guardians as well as remove the potential security risk associated with providing their passport and identity cards. All right, so <clears throat> I have heard that Ledger has removed their press release. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on with Ledger, but the fact that they even thought about it should drive you to not use Ledger. I haven't used Ledger in years. But I stopped using it because I was tired of constantly updating the firmware and I could, because that always made me queasy. And sometimes it just wouldn't work. 
and it bricked my, it, 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 like I've got three ledgers. Two of them are bricked. All right. I, I don't want to use ledger anymore. I'm tired of giving them a hundred dollars so that I can one day find out that my shit gets bricked on a firmware update. I'm just done. And I was done like way over two years ago, which is why I bought what? A cold card wallet from CoinKite. Why? Because I don't have to worry about any of this garbage. But now, now Ledger, they want to KYC your recovery phrase, your seed phrase. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? Don't do that. That is the worst idea you could ever choose. And the fact that you got to pay 10 bucks a month it's just, dude, that's just, that's stupid on the surface. Let's say I was 100% absolutely sure because I'm a high level cryptographer and a high level coder and I pull that son of a bitch apart and I put it through all its paces and I guarantee for myself 100% that there is no freaking way that anybody can hack that thing. I would still not use it simply because why would I want to pay somebody $10 a month for the privilege of doing that? No, there's no reason that you can back up your seed phrase. I don't know. Go put it at your sister's house or go put it at your brother's house. I, yeah, stamp it into washers and put it on a bolt and I don't know, put it, hang it in your garage because nobody wants a set of washers, right? What, whatever, you don't need to pay $10 a month for this. And second, there is no way that this isn't going to leak. This is bad. Everything about this is terrible. And if you, I wish I could tell you like with one full sentence, exactly why this is a terrible idea if you're just not getting it, but I can't construct that sentence. If it, this being in the space since 2015 has given me a certain way of walking around where I'm not bumping into shit. I'm not shit coining. I'm not buying hardware wallets from third party vendors. It takes a long time to get there. Please trust me. Please, please, please go get a cold card wallet. If you want to get a hardware wallet that's going to do you right, get a cold card wallet from CoinKite. Now, Novak, Rodolfo Novak, who's the guy behind CoinKite, the block clock, the cold card wallet, Mark Three, Mark Two, Mark One, Mark Four, the, the next to be released, what QR one, something like that. It looks like a old Blackberry and it's just these, his products are simply awesome. Right, let me just say that. So he, because of this news is doing exactly what a good entrepreneur should do. He's offering a 15% discount on any Mark four. If you use a promo code. Now this isn't a promo code that's going to give me any money back. This is a promo code that he released on Noster. If you're not on Noster and you're worried about your ledger and you damn well should be, and you want to get a coin kite, use the following code, uppercase N, lowercase O, uppercase K, uppercase Y, uppercase C, lowercase W, uppercase S, uppercase E. And you will get a 15% discount off of the Mark IV cold card. I've got a Mark III. I love it. But if you can get 15% off the Mark IV, do it. Just stop the, the treasures and the ledgers. These guys are all freaking captured. 
the only guy that's more paranoid about security in Bitcoin than you is Rodolfo Novak. He's made that quite evident with all of the products that he has ever released. I trust CoinKite. You should trust CoinKite. Go get it. It's 15% off the Mark IVs. No KYC, WSE. I gave you the uppercase, lowercase. I will put, in fact, let me do that right now. Otherwise, I'll forget. I'm going to put the code into the show notes right now. And there it is. Okay. Onward and upward. United States, $31 trillion in debt. Robert Hall, Bitcoin Magazine. As the United States faces default on $31 trillion in debt, the case for Bitcoin grows stronger. Well, duh. If you follow U.S. politics, then you understand that the country is on the brink of defaulting on its massive $31 trillion debt. At the crux of the issue is that there are Republicans in one corner who control the House of Representatives with a slim 222 to 213 majority. In the other corner, the U.S. Senate and the White House under Joe Biden being controlled by Democrats. Both parties are diametrically opposed to what the other one wants. Republicans want to significantly cut spending in order to raise the debt limit for one year. Democrats want a clean debt ceiling bill passed without strings attached. As you can see, both parties' starting positions are nowhere near each other. Ultimately, this has turned into a game of chicken based on who will blink first. It's all very tiring. Is this the way the government should run? It's absolutely crazy that these leaders would risk defaulting on money that has already been spent. This is like if you or I whipped out a credit card, went crazy buying all kinds of stuff, and did not make the monthly payment at the end of each month. The government has been able to run up the debt for a long time because it has had willing participants such as pension funds, hedge funds, sovereign wealth funds, and regular Joes who lent them money by buying treasury bills because they believed they would be paid back with interest. This has been the case for a very long time, but now this arrangement is being called into question with the will they, won't they bull going on in Congress right now. Are these politicians so detached from reality to think that once the debt limit is breached and people stop getting paid what is owed to them, people will go right back to loaning the money? If they do, they will demand even higher interest rates. The government can't even afford the rates we have now. What happens if the borrowing cost for the government goes to 10% or 15%? Ain't nothing getting funded, I can tell you that much. Check this out. The federal government spent a record $475 billion on interest payments alone in fiscal year 2022. Interest costs grew 30% last year and are poised to jump another 35% this year, according to the Congressional Budget Office's own estimate. The CBO, Congressional Budget Office, believes the federal government will spend $640 billion in interest payments this year alone. Is this the debt spiral that James Lavish has been talking about lately? Sure as hell seems like it to me. We're on a slow motion collision course with the economic reality that you can't print and borrow money without consequences. Inflation rears its ugly head first and then people realize the money they are being paid back with has diminished purchasing power. Once people know they are losing money when they lend it to the federal government, it's game over. This debt ceiling debate will highlight the dysfunction of the federal government and its inability 
to keep his promises. This is what surprises me about the politicians on both sides of the aisle. Do they really want to show this level of incompetence to the world? It's like watching your family fight in your front yard. It's embarrassing as hell and will change the perception that your neighbors have about your family. A debt default will change the perception of the United States from a trusted player, payer to a debt junkie unable to pay its debts. The silver lining to this whole debt ceiling debacle is that it's going to throw rocket fuel on the price of Bitcoin. As people see that their money is no longer safe with the federal government, they will seek an alternative to U.S. treasuries. Undoubtedly, some of the dollars that would have been earmarked for treasuries will flow into Bitcoin. New entrants to Bitcoin will see that it is the safe haven asset that they were looking for the whole time. There's no counterparty risk and the supply cannot be diluted. During the last contentious debate over the debt ceiling under the Obama administration, the price of Bitcoin went from $13 and ended the year at $755. It also reached an all-time high of $1,163 that year. Coincidence? Maybe, but it does make sense for people to protect their wealth during times of potential calamity, such as a default. So, I say to the politicians running the government right now, go ahead, keep playing these games. Default or don't default, because in the end, it doesn't matter. You still lose. You have led the world to ruin, and it will be up to Bitcoin to save humanity from itself. The debt ceiling debacle only accelerates the inevitable, and to the Bitcoiners, Keep stacking them sats like your lives depend on it because one day they might. Okay, there it is. Now, here's the thing about calling a default on the, on the United States debt a calamity that we will never recover from because we have. Yes, the United States has defaulted on its debt several times. Several, several several times and we're still the united states okay why because the hubris that humanity has for misplaced hope is undefinable it's like dividing a whole number by zero there's no definition of that it's it's like a phobia there's no reason to be scared of all spiders when a very few amount of spiders can actually do any real damage to you if they bite you. That's a fact. The great guts and feathers of spiders around the world, they don't, first of all, they don't have anything to do with you. And second of all, even if they do bite you, they ain't going to make a hill of beans. And so people have, some people have a phobia, spider phobia. And it's, it's nonsensical. And we have the same thing when it comes to constantly allowing governments around the world, the United States at the forefront to be able to default on its debt. And then a couple of quarters later, completely forget all about it because everything got quote unquote solved again by kicking a can down an ever shortening road. This time, is it different? I don't know. The road's been getting really short, dude, but it would not surprise me at all. If they have a problem like they did with the Obama administration and it took like 13 weeks of closing the national parks because that's what the first thing that we do, right? We don't do anything actually sensible like, you know, <laughs> maybe like telling Morton Thicol that they're going to have to wait on getting paid. No, no, no. We close down the things that the population 
adores. And one of those things is going and visiting national parks, especially in the summertime. And this happened in the Obama administration. It was like 13 weeks. It's like, I can't even remember when it happened, but I'll bet you that this happened around the time of when national parks were getting open and people were taking their RVs and then they couldn't go because you couldn't go to a national park, apparently, unless there's rangers walking around and they didn't pay the rangers, so they closed everything up because you can't be trusted in a national park by yourself, right? It's all ridiculous. I don't think the sky is falling, even if we default on the debt. But it is good for Bitcoin. Just, just saying. And if you're one of the few that is a whole coiner, you're going to like this news because your ranks are growing ever larger. Coindesk Shura Malwa is writing this one. One million individual wallets now hold a whole Bitcoin. Individual wallets holding at least one Bitcoin set a milestone figure earlier this week, suggesting long-term sentiment for the token remains intact, even as broader markets weigh down Bitcoin prices. Data from the on-chain analytics tool Glassnode shows Bitcoin wallets holding more than one token crossed the millionth mark on Monday. This is a 20% bump since February of last year. The data shows that Bitcoin wallets holding one token grew by 79,000 between November and January amid the collapse of crypto exchange FTX as prices fell from over 22,000 to briefly under 16,000. The recent rise in Bitcoin requests for comment or BRC20 tokens has done little to increase the number of wealthy hodlers with only 30,000 new wallets holding one Bitcoin added since the BRC20 token standards launch in March. These standards allow developers to issue tokens. We don't need any of that. I'll, I'm going to skip. Uh, meanwhile, despite the large hodler figure, some market observers saw that most of the current Bitcoin transactions come from smaller wallets. Quote, during the last peak in 2019, most Bitcoin transactions skewed towards larger transactions in the range of $1,000 to $10,000 worth, said Tom Rogers, head of research at ETC Group, in an email to Coindesk. Quote, this suggests most Bitcoin users were using the blockchain for trading. Compare this to last week. The largest cohort of Bitcoin transactions, 359,000, came from transactions under $1. That suggests a huge increase in Bitcoin velocity or the amount of Bitcoin being transacted by users instead of being locked up in cold wallets and held over the long term, Rogers added. All right, so all that shit that's under a buck, that's all ordinals. Those are all ordinal inscription BRC20 junk bullshit tokens that if you didn't listen to me the last 50 times that I've said it, stay away from it. This, it has no value whatsoever. There, I mean, and here's the thing, when the monkey JPEGs and the freaking rock JPEGs fell out of the sky, of course, by, back then I was still on Twitter, you couldn't escape seeing somebody posting up a picture of their brand new uh, NFT, their brand new monkey, their brand new board ape, their brand new whatever. It, they were everywhere, everywhere, everywhere all the time. You know what? And, and maybe this is just because I'm on Noster and most of the people don't give a shit about BRC20 tokens. But what I haven't seen anywhere like in the news is screenshots after screenshot after screenshot after article in article in article after article of nothing but what's being inscribed on these tokens, these BRC20s, the original inscriptions. I rarely see that. 
I rarely see, I don't even know what the hell's being inscribed anymore. Cause I used to see him a little bit when it first, the first, the Casey rod armor first released this thing. Yeah. But now, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. So yeah, if you want to know what transactions are ordinal transactions, go to mempool.space and look at the transaction amounts. Anything that is 15 cents or 15 United States pennies, that's an inscription or a BRC20 or something like that. That's what those are, just in case you want to know. Now, River, <clears throat> pulling down the big bucks. Bitcoin financial services provider River announces a $35 million Series B fundraising round. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey has it for us. Bitcoin technology and financial services company, River, has announced a successful $35 million equity round in its Series B fundraising effort led by Kingsway Capital. The round also saw participation from notable investors such as Peter Thiel, Signe Goldcrest, and Valor Equity Partners. The company provides a range of Bitcoin services, including zero fee recurring orders, full reserve custody, mining, and a Bitcoin wallet that supports both on-chain and Lightning Network transactions. Alex Leishman, the CEO of River, highlighted the growing interest in Bitcoin driven by business and institutional adoption. He emphasized the importance of Bitcoin as a secure path to a stronger and more transparent global economy, especially in light of recent bank failures and bailouts. Leishman stated, quote, adopting Bitcoin with a trusted partner is no longer the speculative choice, but rather the prudent one. <laughs> Leishman emphasized River's commitment to responsible and reliable practices, setting the company apart from others in the crypto industry. All right, so $35 million Series B funding round going to River. Why, you know, and yeah, okay. Why, why'd you tell us about it, David? Because we're still in a bear market. And as the meme goes, bear markets are when you build. There's a reason it's a meme because it's mostly true. This is where you get to buckle down like River is, like Fold Card is, like Strike is, like these people that are going down to South America or uh, Central America, you got River building their stuff out. You've got miners that are adding machines all the time. It's, it's like, it's, it's, there's either two answers to why. Why would they be doing this? If prices are depressed from the all-time high, they either know something or they're all stupid collectively. What are the chances of all these people being stupid collectively? Where they're put piling this much money, spending this much of their lives that they'll never get back. Because that time, once it ticks off, you never get it back. Why? Why am I still doing this podcast? Why? Are we all collectively stupid? Or do we know something? I think we know something. I just do. Let's run the numbers. All right. <clears throat> CNBC futures and commodities have got oil down point. Well, that's a quarter point down to $70.91. Britain or sea crude is down a third of a point to $74.95. Natural gas up. A little over one percentage point. Gasoline is down 0.12% to $2.46 a gallon. All your shiny metal rocks are having a very bad day. That would include your favorite shiny metal rock, Peter Schiff. 1.54% to the downside, bringing gold under 
$2,000 an ounce to $19.91.50. Silver also down one and a half to $23.90. Uh, platinum is down two thirds of a point. Copper is down 2.2%. Palladium is down the worst, 2.44%. Agriculture, not looking good either. Wheat down 2.27%. Soybeans down 2.89%. And corn is down a full 2%. Cotton is up 1.24%. And that's honestly, that's everything else is in the red, dude. Uh, live cattle is down a quarter. Lean hogs, however, are up almost a half. Feeder cattle are up 0.05%. The Dow is down two thirds of a point. S&P is down a third of a point. NASDAQ is the only one up today. It's up half. And the S&P mini is down over a full point. Uh, let's see here. Oh, CNN CEO stands by Trump town hall, but acknowledges some production weaknesses, sources say. Whatever. That's breaking, apparently. That's what goes for breaking nowadays. It's, that's disgusting. $27,030.99 is the price of the corn today. 307,000 BTC have been sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. Average transaction value is half a Bitcoin. Median transaction value is $3.11 because of ordinals. Block times are low. Good. Nine minutes and 21 seconds. We got 0.74 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 113 BTC taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours with almost a 12% drop in hash rate. We're back down to 356.2 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, 7.2 United States pennies, $524.3 billion of market cap. That is 3.89% of big, uh, gold's market cap. And if you want to buy 13.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, you can. There are 19,375,030.71 Bitcoin in circulation at the present time. And 5,312 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $143.8 million. We have 72,100 payment channels that we can see and almost 65% of everything on Lightning is running over Tor. Looks like we have an estimate, estimated what, 2.4% uh, upward difficulty change coming in just a couple of days, May the 18th. What do we got in the mempool? A lot. We have 200 blocks carrying 265,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Low priority fees are 60 Satoshis per V-byte. High priority fees are 98 Satoshis per V-byte. Do I see any 15... 15 cent transactions. No, no, I don't. Okay, good, good. Maybe that, maybe that'll clear off soon, sooner than later. Uh, Boostograms. I got them for show 726. That was yesterday's show. I, if you did, if you missed it and you want to learn about the magic plant comfrey, almost a full solid hour of that show is about comfrey, where it came from, what you can do with it, why it benefits your life, how it's used as medicine and healing, how it's used for fertilization, how it's used for mulching, how it's used to make compost, all kinds of stuff. Plus, where to get it and where do you get comfrey from? She, she, 21M, at she, she, 21M on Noster and she, she, 21M at protonmail.com if you want to order it by mail. Uh, Joseph Joey Joe with the big 15,000 Satoshi donation. Thank you, bro. 
says, F yeah, great info. Ordered some Bocking 4 from Two Chicks Homestead. Wait, no, wait, no. No, it was supposed to be from She She. Joe, please order some more, but this time order it from She She. He's my bro. And if you order the Bocking 4, those genetics came directly from me. I can personally vouch for that particular product because I'm the one that was cultivating it. I was the one that was propagating it. And I sent those genetics directly to Shishi. So I can vouch for the Bocking 4 product. I can also vouch for Shishi. Good, good, solid dude. So for those of you guys listening, please go get it from Shishi21M. That's S-H-I-S-H-I-21M. Nick underscore dose with 1,369 Satoshi says, cheers. Pies with 250 sats says, another excellent show. However, it wasn't excellent enough to get me out of the under top 10. I'm now number 12. Guys, I'm once again asking for your help to get me back into the top 10. You've done it several times before. I think you can do it again. It helps the show. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Noster App Manager. Discover Noster apps. This is out of No Bullshit Bitcoin or NoBSBitcoin.com. With this app manager, you can paste a note ID or NPUB or a link and get a list of apps that support this event kind. The app can remember your app selection on the current device and will redirect you straight to your app of choice next time. It is already integrated into Noster.band. An open button will send you to the saved app and an open with button will show you a list of apps. You can manage your app settings and soon you'll be able to publish your app list on Noster to recommend apps to your followers. And then we'll get app discovery and web of trust checks on Noster. And then we might slowly get rid of centralized app stores. The app manager is open source and your feedback is welcome. And let's see, let's go to the website here and see what that looks like. Noster app manager. So it's nosterapp.link nosterapp.link l-i-n-k and uh, yeah paste a noster link to find an app so there's a lot of different event kinds in noster there's an event one which is just you writing text and sending it just your your basic noster note hello world that's an event one type what do you do with an event i don't know seven thousand five hundred type what do you do with an event type of, you know, 1337? Well, you know, these are different events and not all clients might be set up to read every kind of Noster event. So what does this do? If you run across a weird Noster event that's not giving, that's not rendering correctly or it seems funky, you know it exists, but you're like, why is this here? It's probably because the event type is not being picked up by the web client or the phone client that you're using. So you go to nosterapp.link and paste that note ID in there and it will go look at the event type and say, aha, this is event type 1337. And I know exactly the four clients that will read that correctly. This is a big tool. I highly recommend going and using it. Now, 
down to Argentina, South America. Bitcoin Argentina launches introduction to Lightning Network course, BTC Casey, BitcoinMagazine.com. <clears throat> Bitcoin Argentina, an NGO focused on promoting Bitcoin, is offering virtual training courses called Introduction to Lightning Network. According to a press release sent to us, the course aims to educate participants on the operation and development possibilities of the Layer 2 solution that operates on top of the Bitcoin network. Jimena Valone, the executive director of Bitcoin Argentina, stated, quote, With the Bitcoin Argentina NGO, we want to bring about knowledge about this technology and generate practical and theoretical spaces that allow professional specialist users and interested parties to explore its uses and potentials, end quote. The course, which starts May the 23rd, so it's coming up. It's May the 16th now. So on May the 23rd, that thing is going to be taught by prominent specialists in the field, including Nicholas Bourbon, Francisco Calderon, Frederico Andragnes, I can't pronounce everything, and members of Liberia de Satoshi. Laura Medina and Gustavo Torres the curriculum will cover introductory aspects of Bitcoin, the mining process, the structure and operation of the Lightning Network, the technological implications for network growth, digital wallets, transactions, and fraud prevention. Bitcoin Argentina has previously organized the Lightning Hackaday or Hack Day in Buenos Aires, which received a positive response from participants. Valoni expressed the organization's motivation behind the training course, saying, quote, we want to provide the necessary tools so that more and more people can learn about the potential of decentralized technologies and the financial innovation that began with Bitcoin in 2009, end quote. Interested individuals can register for the course directly or via the NGO's website with limited spots available. Participants will receive cert uh, a certificate of attendance upon completion of the program. And yeah, so you can like the all... This article, the the uh, uh, URL for this article is in the show notes. If you want to register for that course, if you have something to do with Argentina, like you live there, or you're going there, you want to take the course, you just want to go down there and see what the hell's going on, uh, look in the links and in the show notes and you'll find the link to this article from BTC Casey, Bitcoin Magazine, and you can do it. You, you, you can do it, man. Here's, but we're going to find out what we can't do. EU finance ministers approved MICA crypto regulation. They did it. MICA is now officially a thing. Gareth Jenkinson tells us more from Cointelegraph. <clears throat> the Economic and Financial Affairs Council of the European Union, comprising finance ministers of all member states, has given the green light to the highly anticipated markets and crypto assets or MICA regulation after a vote on May the 16th. Finance ministers from 27 member states voted in favor of the MICA bill and amendments to several regulations and directives relating to the new legislation. Two more pieces of legislation, including regulation on information accompanying transfers of funds and certain crypto assets, were also adopted by the European Parliament in conjunction with MICA's adoption. The European Parliament formally adopted the MICA legislation on April the 20th, paving the way for final approval by the European Council before the regulatory parameters take effect. The legislation sets clear regulatory guidelines and requirements for using cryptocurrencies and related services and activities across the European Union. The scope of the legislation covers a range of cryptocurrencies, digital assets, utility tokens, and stablecoins. The next step 
in the long process for MICA to become EU law requires the bill to be published in the official journal of the European Union. MICA will then come into effect within one year, meaning the regulations will finally become law midway through next year, 2024. The European Commission first proposed MICA back in September of 2020, but faced numerous hurdles and postponements. The legislation has broadly been welcomed by cryptocurrency service providers and proponents alike, given that it creates a single market environment across Europe regarding regulatory requirements and operating procedures. Key components of MICA legislation include registration and authorization requirements for issuers of cryptocurrencies, exchanges, and wallet providers. Stablecoin issuers must meet certain security and risk mitigation requirements while uh, cryptocurrency custody services must ensure sufficient security and safety measures and address potential cybersecurity and operational failures. The legislation also provides a framework to prevent market abuse, insider trading, and manipulative behavior in the cryptocurrency space. So MICA is going to be a thing. I mean, all they're doing is just waiting to publish it in their little circular, and apparently that's how things become law. That's the final step, but this is, this is going to happen. So registration and authorization requirements for issuers of wallets. That's, that's the most problematic thing from MICA. The rest of it, I can literally almost care less about, but wallets, no, don't use any EU authorized or MICA authorized wallet find a cold card and use a cold card find anything but do not use wallet providers in europe at this point i'm that's you've got you you've got to take control of this shit yourself yes does it make it harder to get it yeah it sure as shit does do you have a friend that lives anywhere outside of the eu that can send you a cold card order it themselves, and then ship it to you directly so that nobody knows what the hell's going on. If you do, then do that. Take the extra steps. You, you will appreciate it later, probably sooner, honestly, but it is what it is. <clears throat> so what does Nigeria, now we move to Africa, what does Nigeria's blockchain-friendly regulatory change mean for Bitcoin adoption? Heritage Faludin for Bitcoin Magazine. On May the 3rd, 2023, during a federal executive council meeting presided over by President Muhammadu Buhari at the council chamber in Abuja, the Nigerian government approved the official use of blockchain technology in the country. Nigeria's Minister of Communications and Digital Economy, Professor Ali Issa Pantami, disclosed the official approval of the national blockchain policy for Nigeria, stating that the, quote, new policy was a product of consultations with 56 institutions and personalities whose end goal is to institutionalize blockchain technology in Nigeria's economy and security sectors, end quote. Taking a deep dive into understanding the disposition of the Nigerian government toward blockchain-dependent innovations over the years will paint a clear picture of how crucial and important this recent policy and federal approval is for the Bitcoin space in Nigeria and Africa at large. On January the 12th, 2017, 
The Central Bank of Nigeria issued a circular which cautioned financial institutions and the general public about the risks associated with blockchain-dependent technologies such as Bitcoin. Building on the previous warning and directive, on February the 5th, 2021, the Central Bank of Nigeria officially prohibited banks from facilitating any Bitcoin and crypto-related transactions by reissuing the circular, a ban that remains unreversed as of the time of writing. This restrictive policy comes at a time when adoption of Bitcoin and shitcoin-related activities was on the rise in Nigeria, and it was a restriction that further fueled the use of Bitcoin and stablecoins. As users who were wallowing in the pains of financial restriction increasingly discover the power of decentralized Bitcoin innovations like peer-to-peer marketplaces. Amid all of these impromptu regulatory measures, CBN was apparently busy creating what it considered an alternative to shitcoins, a government-controlled digital currency called the eNaira, which was officially launched on the 25th of October 2021, unequivocally built on a centralized system, not a decentralized blockchain like Bitcoin's. Meanwhile, Nigeria's Security and Exchange Commission was occupied with creating policy frameworks for token issuance platforms and exchanges. All these regulatory changes were not unconnected to the government's awareness of just how thriving the blockchain industry is in Africa's most populated country. At this point, one will naturally ask what another regulatory update in the national blockchain policy means for Bitcoin. A quick but detailed response would be, this is definitely a welcome development for Bitcoin advocates in the country and one of the possible many steps that we might witness in the right direction. From my interpretation, this policy is focused more on giving a direct government overview to relevant regulatory bodies such as the National Information Technology Development Agency, the CBN. What the hell? I think somebody just knocked something over. Hold on. And you just heard my orange cat knock over a wooden Buddha, a big one, about the size of a bowling ball. I don't know if you heard it, but if you did hear it, my apologies. Orange cat is psychotic sometimes. Where were we? The uh, relevant regulatory bodies. Okay, so who's going to be involved? National Information Technology Development Agency, the CBN, the SEC, the Nigerian Communications Commission, and the National Universities Commission. Ooh, going to infiltrate the universities. Among many others who are now expected to develop a more detailed regulatory framework from using blockchain-based innovations like Bitcoin. The government is moving from being totally repelled by or antagonistic to Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto-related activities to now accepting them by default and creating a regulatory environment for them to move forward. And while altcoins and other development and products dependent on blockchains excluding Bitcoin still stand a chance to remain regulated and subjected to the directives of these incoming regulations, Bitcoin uniquely repels such regulations. As a stakeholder in the African Bitcoin space, I must confess that consistent clarity from governments will not only help in driving adoption, but will also create an enabling environment for Nigerians to incorporate decentralized blockchain technology like Bitcoin into scaling their businesses and ways of life while opening numerous legal opportunities for everyone. As the industry keeps shaping up, keeps tabs on the space, as Nigeria president-elect Bola Tenubu has promised to enable the prudent use of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies in the nation's banking and financial sector. 
My fingers remain crossed until we experience full implementation of Bitcoin-friendly regulations in Nigeria. So Nigeria doing a complete 180, except that what he says was a, uh, well, let's see, where, where was it? Where was it? Uh, do, do, do. I can't find it anymore. It's it, but what, what he was saying was that these regulations will help move these technologies forward. That's not what, not what these regulations are doing. These regulations are governors, you know, like on a, on a car to make sure that you just can't pump enough gas into it to get the Lamborghini to do, you know, the full 225 miles an hour. That's what a governor does, right? You can still have the car. You can still drive the car. You can drive wherever the hell you want, but we're going to put a governor on it so that you can't drive it as fast as you want. Or another governor type might be in the fuel injection software where you can't get up to speed as fast as you would like, but the car would be able to do that without the level of governor, right? So anytime anybody ever says these regulations will help the adoption of X bullshit regulations are there to make sure that governments don't lose their power and control over the population so that they can stay doing whatever it is that they think they need to be doing and always have the ability to take money from the population to fund it. That's what this is. No government, modern or ancient, has ever wanted their population to be ridiculously wealthy. We've never seen a country ever do that. Sometimes I mention a book, and that book is named, what, what's the name of that book? The Richest Man in Babylon. And it's a series, it's a collection of stories, and some of this comes out of antiquity, and I think some of it is, is fictional license or, you know, licensed by the author um, about wealth and the rules of gold and how, you know, what, what good methods of saving and investing are in general, in general. And this all came out of ancient Babylon, you know, what, 4,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago or whatever. But there's this one story that always interests me, and it's like the king of Babylon at the time. And I don't think the story actually mentioned if it was Nebuchadnezzar or, or actually named the king. It may have, but I don't think that this is true. But it always ignites my imagination, and the king is having... He's having a question with his vizier, you know, his main advisor, and he's having a discussion. And this question comes up of why are all these people all, you know, in my kingdom all poor? The fuck's going on? I don't want all these poor people around. What the hell's going on? And the vizier looks at the king and says, hey, well, you know, there's some people that are better at and better at getting and better at keeping the money that they get than the rest of the people. And... The people that don't have their money, they're, they're constantly having to give their money over because of what, you know, for, for reasons. And then the king says, well, isn't there anybody in the kingdom that knows how to do this? Can we hire that person to teach a hundred citizens how to become rich like they did? To do the things, give them the steps, give them the instruction manual of what they did so that they can be wealthy too? And the vizier says, sure, we can. And he goes, who is the richest man in Babylon? 
hence the name of the book that keeps coming up. And then they give the name of the richest man in Babylon, whose name always appears throughout the book in these very several stories. And they go hire this guy and he teaches a hundred people how to do what he does. And then it goes on from there. But I go back to this king and this king saying, I don't want all these poor people in my country or in my kingdom. But instead of saying, go kill them or go move them away, he says, how do we make everybody in my kingdom wealthy? Because if everybody in my kingdom is wealthy, then the kingdom itself is wealthy and I am their king. And I will then therefore be king of the wealthiest country in the world. So what's the king doing in this particular case that no government is doing anywhere and hasn't ever as far as I know? Doing what a king should do. (laughs) It's that simple. But that's not what happens here. Regulations are not here to help you. Regulations are here to help them. Use Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin, and then let's say this, let's read this one. Uh, we got MicroStrategy, uh, MicroStrategy's Bitcoin and Lightning for Corporations. 2023 sessions are available online. Oh, how do you use, uh, how do we make our citizenry rich? Well, we'll hire somebody to teach them how to do things. And here we have MicroStrategy's Bitcoin and Lightning for Corporations 2023 Sessions are now available online. This is your teacher. You may not like Michael Saylor, and you may think that he's in it for the wrong reasons, but he does an awful lot of education for free. So what's going on here? No bullshit. Bitcoin tells us more. Here are all Bitcoin and Lightning panel recordings for the event, and these are all links, okay? The link to this entire story will be in the show notes. But we have things like Bitcoin and Lightning keynote presentation, Wall Street and Bitcoin panel session, accounting and tax panel session, legal and regulatory, the future of Bitcoin for corporations, uh, introduction to Lightning, the promise of Lightning, MicroStrategy Lightning, Lightning infrastructure panel, Lightning solutions for enterprises, Lightning solutions for enterprises, instant programmable payments, uh, Lightning solutions for enterprises, the federated OS, the same for open source banking, the same for the transactive energy solution, lightning future vision panel, and a bright orange future, a keynote presentation to round it out. These are what you will want to listen to. If you don't know anything about lightning and you hear people talk about lightning all the time and you're like, well, I don't really understand it and I don't want to read about it. You have an entire list right here. The king of Babylon is allowing you wants you, in fact, to go learn how to use this technology so that you don't have to be dependent on people that are really good at taking your money and even better at keeping it to themselves. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I would use this. I would leverage this heavily. It will be, the, the link to this story will be in the show notes so that you can get to all these links from one source. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says, jokes for this Tuesday. I could never date a kleptomaniac. I don't think I have what it takes. Get it? That's right.
All right, so uh, again, Novak, Rodolfo Novak is running a 15% off special today. I don't know how long it's going to last. 15% special on the cold card Mark IV hardware wallet. I cannot recommend CoinKite products enough. I have two different products from them. I have the Mark III cold card hardware wallet, and I've got some of those little sticks, those USB sticks. Uh, I can't remember the name of them offhand, but they are, they're, in, they're interesting. They allow you to hold Bitcoin on a physical device and you can pass that Bitcoin without compromising the private keys to that wallet physically between people. And they can check to make sure that there is enough Bitcoin on that wallet. So let's say that I go buy a car from somebody for like, you know, I don't know, whatever the price of Bitcoin is today. And I got one of these sticks with one full Bitcoin uh, on the private keys that are inside this stick. And it's just a USB stick. Uh, special, it's kind of special though. And then I just hand it over to the guy and say, I want, I want your car at the price of one Bitcoin. And the guy says, sure. And then he takes that stick, throws it into his computer and, and verifies that that stick in fact represents one full Bitcoin. And he's 100% guaranteed that the keys that are on that stick is that Bitcoin. Then he can take like a push pin or like a safety pin and he can push it through a particular hole in the stick and destroy a component that's on the circuit board. Once that component is destroyed, then he has access to the private keys. Once he has the private keys, then he can transfer the Bitcoin from that, those private keys to wherever the hell else he wants to, to transfer it to. And so CoinKite sells that, CoinKite sells the block clock, CoinKite sells all of the uh, Mark versions of the cold card hardware wallets. It's the only wallet, hardware wallet that I trust at this point. I've never used Trezor. I've only, the only other wallet that I've ever used is Ledger. And I haven't used that shit in literally years because it was just, I just got sick of it. And after Ledger's news today, don't trust that company at all. Go hook up with Rodolfo Novak, get the 15% discount. It's going to be in the show notes. It's going to be in the show notes. In fact, it's also going to be in the announcement note that I put up on all of social media, wherever it is. Every time I do a show, I always announce the whole thing and give like the topics that we're going to talk about. That's actually going to be one of the topics. topic lines is that. If you have a chance to order a cold card Mark IV with that uh, discount code, please tell them if there's a way to do it that you heard it on Bitcoin and podcast. I'd like to see if I could get a cold card to be a sponsor of the show one of these days. Other than that, man, you go out and have a wonderful Tuesday and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.